Hello and welcome to episode 53 of the Fierce Calling Podcast. I'm your host, Dara Swift. I'm talking with women who are taking action where their passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. They're using their God-given gifts to impact the world for Christ. And I hope through listening to their stories and how they're using their gifts, it will inspire, encourage, and challenge other women to step out of their doubt, unwrap the gifts that God has given them, and walk in their fierce calling. Because every woman of God has one, and everybody has a story. So let's tell them to glorify God, share what He's taught us, and what we've learned. Have you or someone you know walked through the journey of infertility? In today's episode, The God Who Sees Me, A Journey Through Infertility, I'm talking with my friend Laura Brandenburg. Laura is an award-winning fiction writer, and she loves writing stories about redemption, forgiveness, and grace. She lives in Texas with her amazing husband, a miracle baby that we're going to hear about, and her 80-pound Weimar on her. And Laura has a powerful story that she's going to share with us today. She said that she has seen the Lord move in a really powerful way. And you'll hear what she means when you listen in as I have a chat with Laura Brandenburg. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fierce Calling Podcast. Today, I'm excited to welcome my friend, Laura Brandenburg. She writes real-life stories of redemption, forgiveness, and grace, and her work has won first place in the RWA Ignite the Flame Contest and the American Christian Fiction Writers Genesis Contest, which is amazing. And she's also finaled in first impressions and semi-finaled in the Genesis Contest. She's a lover of language and grammar, and she spends her days trying to inspire college students to love writing as much as she does. Welcome to the show, Laura. Hi, thanks for having me on. I think it's amazing that you are your professor, right, of yes. English. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, so I'm a full-time English professor at a, a local private university. It's Wayland Baptist University for any listeners familiar with it. I teach the writing intensive courses there in our professional writing specialization. So writing is very much my passion and my conviction and my calling. And so it's fun to try to share that enthusiasm with my students every day. I won't say that it always translates quite the same way that that I hope it will, but it's a a fun job. I, I love that I get to do it. That's amazing. And it's such a blessing that you're inspiring the young generation you know, in the next generation of writers or whatever they're going to use this for. It's going to be for God's purposes, you know, for whatever they use things that you're teaching them now, which they can take into their later years. So that's so cool. And I love, we speak into the lives of the youth and that we can encourage them in what they're doing. They just need so much support. You never know what a student's going through or, you know, there's some tough things out there going on. So anyway, so I just love that. And as always, I ask my guests to share a little bit about the story that God has given you. And I would love for you to share that and where you're taking action, where your passion, compassion, and conviction intersect, which you've kind of shared a little bit about already, but I know there's so much more. So I'd love for you to share that, Laura. So in addition to being a a full-time professor, I'm also a moonlighting fiction author. And I see both of those intersecting in the sense that 
like I said, writing is my, my passion and my conviction. I want to write about life events that are real and relatable. Life is not always pretty, but God is always good. I've experienced the, the pain of loss and just the, the heartache of unexpected outcomes, but I also have found freedom in Christ. And so I, I hope through the, just the power of my story that readers can encounter that grace and just the power of Jesus through the Holy Spirit to take them through their own journey that they're on. Um, Maybe they can relate in a particular way. Yeah, I love that. And it is so true that fiction is really about real life stuff. How does that come about when you first uh, sit down to write a story? So I've written three manuscripts and I would say that all three of them are very God inspired in terms of the story. I feel like I will be doing the most mundane thing and I'll have this idea that just sort of drops into to my head. And so it's not usually a complete picture, but it's kind of a, what if this happened? And you know, what would a character do? And then that kind of propels me into, you know, thinking through how the story would unfold. You have quite a story too. You wanted to share some of the things that God has brought you through in your struggle with infertility and some of the things that went on regarding your beautiful little one that you have there. So why don't you maybe share a little bit about that? Yeah, I would love to, because I I think that is where I have seen the Lord move in a really powerful way. We went through infertility for almost um, a decade. I think it was nine years between when we started trying to get pregnant and when our, our miracle girl finally arrived. And now it has already been a year with her. We went through so many rounds of different types of, of infertility. We did IUIs, we did IVF, and just had the heartache of, you know, over and over again, being told it didn't work, you're, you're still not pregnant. We took some time off when we, we did IVF in 2014. And it was so just devastating when we had transferred all of our embryos and, and none of them had survived. And so we took the next year off and just began to say, we need our hearts to heal. And we just needed to grieve at that point. It had been kind of nonstop for, you know, three years, four years of just one doctor appointment after the other. So we kind of took a break, said, we're going to do nothing for a year. We're just going to enjoy our marriage and enjoy each other and travel. And then about a year into that, we, we started looking at, okay, let's, let's adopt because that's, you know, what everyone says, if you can't get pregnant, just adopt. And I think people say that from a heart that is genuine. I I think they, they want to be encouraging, but um, unless you've really walked this journey and also the journey of adoption, you don't understand how, how difficult that journey is too, that it's not a guarantee any more than, um, than IVF is a guarantee or infertility or whatever process you're doing. So we had a couple of private adoptions that we thought were possibilities uh, fell through. And so that's just as devastating to think that you're going to, okay, I'm, I am going to have a baby now. And, and then the birth mom would change her mind. And it's, it's such a hard tug because 
there's a sense of, you know, that's good. It's good that the, the mom um, and the baby can be together, but then also you still have that sense of, but I want a baby. I want my own child. And so I still don't have that, that thing that I continue to desire. And so we started the process of foster to adopt kind of in the middle of one of those potential private adoptions. And, and then when that fell through, we just took another break and said, okay, I don't know, Lord, what are, what are you doing? What's happening? And we kind of pursued nothing again for a while. And then in 2018, we just both really felt like the Lord had given us a word that year that we, that we were going to have a baby. And so we were not sure what that meant. And we had felt like we had heard that word before. And so we were kind of trying not to get our hopes up and we'd never felt like it was so time specific, you know? And so we just, we kind of just pressed in we're, we weren't sure, okay, is we're going to have a baby that's going to be through adoption or we have a baby that's going to be through fertility. We're not doing fertility. Should we try fertility again? And we ended up just going to see our fertility doctor one more time. And we kind of said, okay, Lord, if we're supposed to close that door, then you tell her to tell us you've, you've done it all and you need to just close this chapter. And if we're supposed to do it this way, then you keep that door open. And so we really expected her to tell us you've, you've done everything. You've exhausted the amount of, you know, Clomid, for example, that you can put in your body because we have. And instead she said, you know, I think you should try IVF again. I should back up and mention that we had prayed starting in 2015. We started praying for the Lord to heal my body. Just naturally, whatever systems are not working, we just began to pray that he would bring those into alignment and just prayed healing over me every single day. And um, so when we went back to her, she did an exam and she said, you know, your, your body looks different. I mean, there were literally like diagnoses that I had had before that she said, I'm just not seeing what I've seen before. And so, so she encouraged us to do IVF and we had IVF one more time. Um, and on the very first round, we got pregnant. That in itself was just the biggest miracle because we, we had never been pregnant before had never had a positive pregnancy test. So in all these years, you know, I know different women have different experiences. Some get pregnant and then they miscarry. And so it's, it's like a roller coaster of emotion for that too, because you have hope of pregnancy and then the devastation of, of loss. But for us, we had never even had the, the plus sign. And so just the amount of, I'm thinking about it now, just the rejoicing that we did. Um, was was so fun. And, and it was followed probably almost immediately by fear because then it was like, okay, what if something happens and what if something goes wrong? And so it was just this constant battle of, okay, I'm pregnant, but am I really pregnant? And is this really going to last? And, and so that, that began its own battle. I started having concerns. I'll try not to be too like TMI for listeners, but I (laughs) concerns Almost immediately. So around probably six weeks of pregnancy, um, I was spotting and we went to back to the doctor several times and um, she kept checking everything. We had several ultrasounds there at the beginning, way more than, than normally you would get and just kept saying, everything looks okay. Everything looks okay. And so I'm trying to have peace of mind and not worry too much. And then we got to about 10 weeks and I had just gotten home from work. And we had an event that we were going to that night, a fundraiser. So it's just the most kind of mundane of evenings. And I 
collapsed. So I started having pain and my husband wasn't home yet. And I was thinking, I'm really cramping. I'm really hurting. What's happening? And then the next thing I know, I guess I had just collapsed. So by the time he gets home, he just finds me on the bathroom floor. I'm kind of in and out of consciousness. He's trying to um, get me to go to the hospital, you know, like for him to drive me to the hospital. And I'm like, no, we, we have to, we have to go to this fundraiser. And he's like, you're not going to a fundraiser. <laughs> Something is wrong. Hello. <laughs> yeah. And the Lord had told me really clearly, everything is okay. And so I kept, I kept telling him that. So I don't know what's wrong, but the Lord said, everything's okay. It's going to be okay. So I, I don't know what's happening, but, but it's, it's going to be okay. And he's like, well, it, that might be true, but you're not okay right now. And so I need you to go to the hospital. And anyway, I tried to stand up to get in his like room to take me to his car and ended up passing out. He, he called the ambulance. And so I was taken to the emergency room. It turns out that I um, had ruptured a fallopian tube. I'd had a ectopic pregnancy that we didn't know about and oh. it had ruptured. Um, and so I was bleeding internally and, and probably had been for a little bit. And so I'd lost like two liters of blood, which is a whole lot of blood. And um, they ended up air flighting me to another hospital and doing emergency surgery. And then I was in the hospital for almost a week and had to have blood transfusions. And they kept saying from the beginning. So even when I was in the emergency room, they checked on, they did an ultrasound and they said, you know, we still have a heartbeat. We still, you know, and I'm kind of in and out of it, but they kept saying, we'll try to save your baby. We'll try to save your baby. And um, I mean, I can remember getting on the the helicopter for them to air flight me and telling the the paramedic, God will save my baby. He will save my baby. Like, I know that this baby is going to live. And, and I just remember claiming that maybe with more faith than I had ever had. And so getting pregnant was a miracle. This is kind of a long-winded answer, but that experience I think was, was an even more just powerful testimony to me personally of just the divineness of this pregnancy and of our daughter and the the purpose and the calling that's on her life. It's something that I I just pray and speak over her all the time that this makes me almost emotional that, yeah. that God has saved her literally. He has called her forth and she is strong and she is a survivor. And I just know that he has big things for her. And so I won't say that I wasn't worrisome for the rest of the pregnancy, but I think from that moment on, I, I spent about a week in the hospital. Um, I had another probably three weeks of recovery. I was so, I'd lost so much blood. I was so anemic that um, I couldn't drive. I couldn't go to work. They, they wouldn't, they basically bubble wrapped me and said, you cannot injure yourself. You can't have even a paper cut. So, um, so I was kind of stuck for a little while, but from that moment on, it was just like, this pregnancy is so ordained for this time period, even now, even on the hard days when I'm tired or when I'm trying to do something and she really just needs my attention, I just stop. And I think she is a miracle and she's a gift. You know, this is the moment that I, that I prayed for, for so long. And so it's like a daily reminder of his goodness right in front of me. And I have to pay attention to that, but it's there. Wow. What a powerful story. And I could hear, and I know the listener can hear the joy and just the emotions, you know, as you're telling the story of all the things that you went through and that first 
moment that you knew that you were going to have this baby. How amazing. And then where God comforted you and confirmed to you, because really just by hearing the story and looking at it through human eyes, it did not sound good at all. I mean, you know, with what's happening with you and the baby and all the blood that you lost. So that was another child at the same time. Mm -hmm. And you had, wow. So two embryos, they transferred with IVF and we only knew that one of them had attached in the uterus because that's where they were looking. But apparently I had another one that had moved to the fallopian tube, which is really strange. So I don't know, you know, if you think about IVF, they implant it in your uterus. And that means that it went like north. The emotions of that, even, you know, at the time I was just fixed on the pregnancy that I knew about. And so it was just this constant, my baby's going to live, my baby's going to live. That was all I could think about. And then in the weeks to come, as my husband and I really processed, you know, this, this other life and the potential for twins, essentially, that we wouldn't know, it, it brings with it a sense of grief, too. And I think that's, that's something we experienced with our first IVF, because, you know, for us, every one of those embryos is life. It's such a, a sense of loss. It's a, a grieving of what didn't happen. And so I, I don't know why, and I, I have learned very much in this journey with infertility to not ask the why questions, because I, I think early on, I would really get stuck on those, like, why isn't this happening? Or why did you allow this? Or why, you know, why did I not get pregnant? And I think it's not that the Lord can handle our why questions, uh, but I think in those moments of why, he just wants to give us so much more of himself. And so instead of this need to know, which is very much inherent in my personality. I want to know the answer. And and I think I have learned that the Lord just says, I just want you to know me. And, you know, if you draw close to me, then I'm your source of comfort. I'm your source of everything you need. And so he holds all the answers to those kinds of questions. And I think that I have learned to let that give me peace. I have to choose it, but that he really does know best. And he knows how it was supposed to work out. And, and so it did, and it did in the way that, that it needed to. That was so key. What you just said about, we don't need to know all the answers. We just need to know him. Mm -hmm. And that's his heart for us to know him, even with his word, like he gave us his word that's living and breathing so that we can know him. Mm -hmm. And it's a book about him and his promises and his faithfulness and his character It is so encouraging to hear these things because you trusted in the things that you didn't really understand, but you know, your God and you know, your father is a good father. And even in the hard times and through the tough times that he is faithful and we don't have to always know all the answers. So thank you for sharing that. That is an important thing because like you say, it's not natural for us. We want to know the whys, just surrender to him. So that's beautiful. So are you involved in the different ministries that you're able to speak encouragement into the lives of other people that have gone through it? Or have you encountered that during your years going through it? It has sort of naturally, uh, initially at least became my ministry because I, or, or what I would call my ministry, I started blogging about infertility 
I started blogging, I want to say maybe in 2008, long before blogging was cool. And now I think it has passed on. <laughs> but, um, but I started just putting down words of encouragement, things that I felt like the Lord was teaching me that maybe would encourage someone else. And I titled my blog, Obeying the Call, because that was what I felt like I felt like I was supposed to be doing was I was supposed to be writing and it felt very vulnerable, but I was just going to obey what, you know, God had asked me to do. And so in particular, the very first time that I blogged about our journey with infertility, the response that I got was just overwhelming women reaching out to me and texting me or emailing me or sending me messages that, um, you know, they were going through that same experience. And, and just the power, I think, of being able to connect with someone else for a lot of them. And I think that writers get this sometimes that, you know, readers connect with a writer because they feel like they've put something into words that they could not put into word, words themselves. And, and so I had women who were saying, yes, this is, you're describing exactly how I feel. And I, I didn't know how to describe that feeling. I think there was a connection there in just in being honest with the, the pain of waiting and the grief of loss and just, you know, unmet expectations month after month and trying to just trust in God's goodness. And, and I, I won't pretend for one second that I did it perfectly. Um, and I tried to be very transparent about that, that I certainly went through seasons of, of doubt and frustration and, um, and asked a lot of those why. I think I spent at least the first two or three years just mostly angry. And and I, it's kind of unfair to readers because I didn't start blogging until I was coming out of that season and the Lord was starting to just heal my heart and tell me, you know, to lean into this journey and just walk with me through it. And I think when I started to obey that, then he really started to use that. So I started out blogging. I spoke at, at a few events on the topic um, that I think encouraged some women who, you know, know that experience and they know how it feels. And again, just being able to connect. And then last summer, well, I shouldn't say last summer, probably years ago, I felt like the Lord had put on my heart to put together a nonfiction devotional, which I, you know, typically write nonfiction, I guess blogging is nonfiction. And, and so I had had people tell me so many times, you should put your blogs together and uh, write a book. <laughs> and I did not do that. What I did was put together a kind of a, a short, it's very brief, it's maybe 30 pages, but it's, it's basically a 10 day devotional for women who are experiencing infertility. And I titled it the not forgotten ones, because I think that was, that was really God's word to me over and over again, you're not forgotten. And I felt very forgotten. Any woman who is longing for a child, you see so many women around you with children, some of them who don't want those children. And you just think, when is it going to be my turn? And so it, it's an experience, it's a journey, but I also, I think labels are really important. And this is something the Lord taught me early on, not to call myself infertile and not to call myself, you know, barren, that those were not words that were spoken over me. And so, so it's a devotional for women experiencing infertility, not women who are infertile. And, um, and, you know, I can't say what God will do in their journey. They may or may not have a natural child. They may adopt, they may do neither. I want them to know God's heart for them. 
And I think I learned a lot about his heart for me on that journey. So, um, so I offer that it's on my website as a free resource. So if you know any women or if any women are listening that, that might be encouraged by that, that's really where I've tried to use, use that ministry the most, just to, just for women to know you're seen. And there are people who have been through this. We're actually getting ready to, um, to start the fertility process again. We have, we have more embryos that we'll keep trying for future kids. And so mm-hmm. it's kind of that same, you know, I don't know if they'll, if they'll work. I don't know what our future looks like. It's going to be the waiting game a little bit, but I, you know, I hold on to those truths as much as I would encourage any woman to hold on to them, that they are, um, they're just, you know, founded in God's word and, and who he is and in what he says over us. I love how you were sharing that when you were telling your story, that women would say that they felt the same thing or experienced the same thing. And they just didn't know how to verbalize it, like express it. And it's so true how we're connected by our stories, seeing this child that God brought forth. And like you said, you know, she has been created for a purpose as well. And now going through this again, are you looking at it with a little bit different type of an experience now that you've gone through and you've, you know, you've seen that what God has done in the past and how he's been faithful. And I know like your heart is it's in his hands, but how is this journey a little bit different after having your little one? I think it, I do have more of the, um, the peace, I think to know that he's in control. And I think if there's anything that I have learned you know, in this process, but even in particular in the year of, you know, when I was pregnant and we went through all of that, it's that he, he really, he knows best, his timing is best. And, um, and so I keep holding to that because there's a sense of anticipation, you know, are we going to do this? Is it going to work on the first time? What if it doesn't work on the first time? And, and just the anticipation of we, you know, we want our daughter to have siblings and, is she going to have siblings? And, and there's still just a lot of unknowns. So it's, I think it's a little different because I have her. And so that somewhat satisfies that longing in me that, that wanted to be a mother so bad and mm-hmm. love telling her, you know, she's not even one, but I tell her all the time, you made me a mom, like, thank you for making me a mom. And so I have that, but I still want more. And I don't mean, I don't say that in like a a discontent sense, but just in the, the longing of my heart is to, Mm. to have more children than one. And so I think the stakes are still kind of the same. It's, it's still a desire that's there that I have to submit to the Lord and, and trust that he knows not only how it's going to work out, but whether it's going to work out and what's, what's the best thing for our family. And, and even just the timing of that, when is the best time for our family? So, so I still have a lot of those same emotions, but I think, I think my relationship with the Lord is just, it's grown so much in the last 10 years that there's a peace. And so I just don't feel as anxious as I felt when we started our fertility journey. You know, you're asking me this question now, ask me this question in a few months, um, in particular, if, if our first round doesn't work and maybe I won't feel as peaceful and, um, you know, maybe I will feel more anxious, but, but I think right now just going into it. And as we have started, um, just praying life over me and over the future, 
there's just a sense of, of peace that it's going to work out the way that it's supposed to work out. And I just have to, to trust the process. Yeah. It's beautiful how you were saying that in these past 10 years, you've grown closer to God because that's the choice that we have. And that's the action that we can take. I know that that's an encouragement today, that if there's something going on in the life of that woman that's listening, that person that's listening right now, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you is such an important scripture to just draw strength and courage and encouragement from. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. And that's all over your story. And it's just so precious. And I I would love if you would share a little bit more about the Not Forgotten Ones that you give away for free on your site. So tell us where the listener can go to find you and find this book. So the ebook is on my website and my website is lauracbrandenburg.com. So my full name, uh, Brandenburg, is sometimes hard to spell, but it's U-R-G, not (laughs) E-R-G. And then I also have on my website the... Um, the social media links um, to, you know, Facebook and Instagram and um, different pages and places that they can connect. And then I have newsletters that usually have giveaways um, if they want to sign up for a newsletter. It's funny, you know, my my journey with writing, I haven't published uh, a fiction book yet. And I was thinking recently how that has been a season of waiting. And I was just telling the Lord, you know, it's not writing a book and infertility are not the same thing. They're very different topics, <laughs> but, but I think there's a lot of truths that I have learned through infertility that are now applying to my writing that I'm waiting and I have to be patient, but he has the end in sight and he knows the right publisher that is going to connect and, you know, pick up that book and be excited about the story there. So my agent and I have have my third manuscript that's out right now. And it's, I don't know if people understand how long it takes just waiting to hear from publishers. <laughs> they get so many submissions. And so even that is just a waiting game of wanting to hear back and not yet hearing back. But but I, I share updates in the newsletter um, about just my writing journey as well. And I still kind of connect some of my my blogs or my infertility aspect in the newsletter they tell you not to mix fiction and nonfiction and I just obey the Lord. That's, that's my heart. And so I, even having a a nonfiction thing that's for free on my website, and then that's going to connect readers to me, but my readers are also fiction readers. And they say that fiction and nonfiction readers are not the same. So I don't know. I feel like the Lord told me to, to put that nonfiction book out there and I wanted it to be a free resource. That was really important to me. And so um, so at the moment I am mingling the two, but I just try to, to share where I am and, you know, people can walk through the journey to publication with me if they want to. Nice. Well, I love how you said, even though you've been told you shouldn't do this or that, you're being obedient to the Lord's call. And that's where you feel led to do that right now, which is amazing. And earlier in the conversation, I also wanted to bring out it's really important how you said you are not barren. You are not in like the labels, you know, it's not who you are. Any of these labels that we put on ourselves or we allow others to put on us, that's not who we are. That's maybe an experience we're going through. 
So I think that was great that you brought that out. And that's so important to encourage someone today that if you're a Christ follower, you know, your identity is in Christ and be encouraged today that he sees you right where you are. Mm -hmm. And even though sometimes it might seem quiet, he's still right there (laughs) and the waiting can be hard, but God's timing is really perfect as we say, and it's not just cliche. It's so true. So I know he has great things in store for you and we're going to be able to continue to pray for you and your journey and waiting on this manuscript to be birthed. Cause like you say, it's similar, (laughs) you know, authors are like books are our babies, you know? Uh And so it's cool how God will teach us these important things through other experiences that we have, and then we can apply it in other areas of our life. And so that's so precious. So loved having you on today, Laura, it's been such a blessing and a joy. And I appreciate you sharing your story with us today. That's amazing. I have really enjoyed this. It's been fun just to kind of, in some ways, go back and remember. It's been a while since I've really talked through these experiences, but if it encourages even one person, then that was worth it to me. Amen. Amen. And I'll have to have you on again, you know, when your book's published and also, (laughs) you know, whatever God has for you next. So I certainly want to keep up with you and stay in touch. So I would love that. Have you on again. All right, friend. Well, we will talk soon and thank you so much. Thank you for listening and spending time with us today. I hope that the story that Laura shared encouraged and inspired you. I hope it brought to mind how God loves you and how he sees you and his heart for you is so precious. And that's also Laura's heart for you to know that as well. And I love how she also writes stories of redemption and forgiveness and grace and how it comes out in her story. You can connect with Laura at lauracbrandenburg.com and join her email list and grab her free devotional book that she mentioned in the show, They're Not Forgotten Ones, and share it with a friend. Tell them about her site. Email the link to them and allow them to also join her email list and get that book. A favorite quote from the show, Life is not always pretty, but God is always good. And you know, friends, there are so many stories in the Bible that we read about women that also have struggled in the same area that Laura has struggled in, but each of our walks are different and the outcomes are different, but there's one constant thing. No matter our story or the outcome, surrender is key and God is already there in our future. He's right here with us now, but he already knows what's right around the corner so we can trust him with that. But if you're dealing with some fear today, fear of unknown fear of failing, fear of succeeding. There are just so many different fears that we can struggle with. If you check out the show notes, I have a link there for my free fear fighting scripture verses. You can download and print them out. You can even cut them into strips and put them around your house, put them in your car, anywhere that you're going to see life-giving truth to fight the fear. I hope you join me next time when I talk with another woman who is taking action where her passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. Until then, friend, have a blessed week. I appreciate you, and I will talk to you soon.